Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. I feel revved up and ready to go in Proverbs 12, and I'll tell you why, because today something very special happened to me. Today, my beautiful wife got inspired watching a baking show and decided to make me (laughs) gluten-free pancakes. Pammy, gluten-free pancakes with blueberries raspberries and walnuts and real maple syrup and real grass-fed butter. Grass-fed butter. Oh my goodness. Now, I don't recommend having that like a lot, you know, maybe once a month, but wow. Oh, that was good. Thanks, honey. Man, you you just treat me too special. It's that British baking show and I always get so inspired. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to be a baker and then like Okay, some of those things take four hours. But anyway. I I think when you do scones, though, I don't think the gluten-free is... They have to be authentically... gluten. Right. They got to be English. (laughs) And then the problem is I have puffy eyes for like five days. (laughs) That's true. But it's a wonderful experience because you have your tea and we sit down. We have scones and tea. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of tea, when we're going through Proverbs and downloading this good stuff from the Holy Spirit, I have a cup of tea here with me right now. A nice cup of green tea. That's right. And to me, that's the way to roll, right? Get a little ambiance going on. Get a cup of coffee or get a cup of loose leaf tea. Oh, I like that. Sometimes early in the morning, we put on a candle. Mm -hmm. We get a little bit of tea going Mm -hmm. and just enjoy the environment and enjoy Jesus. Sometimes we put on some of that nice instrumental music that we've made Mm -hmm. that's drawn our Mm -hmm. our attention to the cross and with some of uh, the anointed musicians that you and I've got to be friends with over the years. And it's just quiet, beautiful stuff in the background. But it's important. We've got these kind of tools for you. I don't know if we have scented candles yet, but <laughs> we <laughs> or do. to win scented candles. No, but I would advise you to uh, go on iTunes or go on our website, order a hard copy of it, or you can just download it. But it is really, it's songs that God gave us and they're really anointed. You know, I realized my mom was in the hospital a couple years ago and I was trying to find instrumental music because I had a CD player playing by her bed and uh, didn't want to leave my cell phone there anyway but <laughs> no that's really good though but what you were saying was you wanted to get music that you felt was appropriate that had a healing quality to it you know that's the thing is the anointing of the living god it removes the burden and destroys the yoke when saul the king was troubled even demonically oppressed if not possessed he would get david the psalmist just to play the bible says he wasn't even singing he would just begin to play on his harp and as he would play the Bible says that music would actually do war against the demonic oppression and the demons would have to leave their tormenting of Saul and he would have a reprieve. He would have peace in that moment. He could probably rest, maybe even sleep. And so, you know, I think it's so important to bring anointed sounds into our life. And, you know, like what you were saying, sometimes even when we were dealing with people who were in life and death situation in the hospital, When things are down at that place, when it's life and death, you know, you're not looking for music that's entertaining. You're looking for something that's anointed, that wars against the destructive works of the devil. Yeah. Jesus said this, I came to destroy the works of the devil. And how does he do it? With the anointing of the living God. And that's why we have our worship albums and collection. It has words to it. 
but then we've done a whole nother version of just instrumental and it's just as anointed. And I really realized that in the hospital with mom as I was looking for music to have playing just 24 hours a day. I just had it playing and I couldn't find a whole lot of instrumental music. And sometimes, you know, when you're reading the word and you're even posturing yourself to listen from God, you really don't want even words. You yeah. just want instrumental so you can kind of hear God's That's words. That's the way I am. Yeah. Like I'm, when I'm sitting here and I'm just reading the word and I'm being quiet, I want some atmospheric music to complement the moment. I want the lighting right. I want a candle on. I want some atmospheric music that's anointed, but I don't want people, even in that moment, singing lyrics at me because I'm leaning my ear into the Holy Spirit and I want to hear the voice of my Father. I want to hear what He's going to say in that moment. There's a time to sing and shout, just like there's a time to praise, there's a time to worship. Just like there's a time to shout loud and play loud, there's a time to play softly and quietly Mm -hmm. and sing softly and quietly. And there's a time to just pull like a David and just have some soft instrumental that does heavy warfare against demonic oppression, possession, against the demonic works, which are destructive. I believe that there's healing. Mm-hmm. There's healing in the anointing of the living God. So we're going to read Proverbs 12 today. This is exciting. Man, after a feed of pancakes, it's really exciting. <laughs> and Pam, why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to teach us? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you that according to the Word of God, that you, Holy Spirit, will declare, disclose, and transmit the will of the Father to us. So, Father, we just thank you for that. And mind, will, and emotions, we command you to hear, to listen, to understand the voice of God, to comprehend the will of God, the understanding of God as we read today. Quickly do it, and everything we touch will succeed and prosper and go forward, all for the glory of God. Yes, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 12, starting at verse 1. Whoever loves instruction and correction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is like a brute beast, stupid and indiscriminating. Ruh-roh. Pam, I don't want to be nope. a brute beast. <laughs> I don't either. Um, sometimes in the word and other translations, it says to be a, a stubborn donkey, yeah. you know, a, a mule. <laughs> I don't want to be a mule. I don't want to be a brute beast, stupid. And look at, in the context of that, indiscriminating is a bad thing. Stupid and indiscriminating means you can't differentiate between what's wrong and right. You can't differentiate between somebody who's pursuing wisdom and somebody who's pursuing foolishness and death. Yeah, you can't. You know, you need to be not stupid and indiscriminating, meaning that you don't know who to walk with and who not to walk with. Yeah. And you don't base it on the world's platforms of craziness. No. You know, you don't discriminate against an ethnicities or dialects or social statuses or anything um, like that. He has hair and he doesn't have hair. That's <laughs> a stupid way to you don't discriminate. You base your choices in life on is this the right way to go or is this the wrong way to right. go? Are these the right people to walk with because they're pursuing wisdom, they're pursuing love, they're pursuing the things of God? Or am I supposed to go with these people who are bent on dishonesty, corruption, and ultimately getting their own way, even if it hurts other people and they want to be a detriment to even their own family? You got to know how to make those choices. And it says, whoever loves instruction and correction 
loves knowledge, mm. but he who hates reproof is like a brute beast, stupid and indiscriminating. Number two, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked devices he condemns. Boy, it sounds so strong, but I think again, a good man obtains favor from the Lord. How the goodness of the Lord only comes from us submitting to receiving his goodness, walking in his goodness, listening to him, following his ways. And then a man of wicked devices, he condemns. In other words, the actual us going the wrong way will always put us in the wrong positions. Right. You know, there are people that try to come up with ways, even virtual things in the cyber world, ways of stealing people's identity, Mm -hmm. people's money, their wealth, trying to hurt their reputation and things like that. And, you know, it says here that God condemns that. Yeah. God is against, when people are in that mode of trying to hurt other people, God is against them. You know, I don't want to be in a place where I'm fighting against God. Verse 3, a man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the uncompromisingly righteous shall never be moved. Now, sometimes in the wind, the branch moves. Sometimes in the wind, you may have a couple of apples even flying off the tree. But ultimately, their root never moves. That's good. And you know, and that's so good to just picture that in your life, there's going to be some things that move in the storm. There's going to be some things that happen, you know, temporarily. Yeah. But man, when your roots are in the truth, when your roots are founded on the rock Christ Jesus, we know the promise of the Lord himself that you, your house will stand, your life will stand. So that's encouraging. Number four, a virtuous and worthy wife, earnest and strong in character, is a crowning joy to her husband. But she who makes him ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. I'm glad to say that my bones are in great shape (laughs) because my wife is a crowning joy to me. And you know, I think we could also say teenagers, the people that are married, the singles, this really applies, you know, if you're virtuous and you're worthy. In other words, your worth is established by Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, who restored our citizenship in the kingdom of God and our authority as a child of God. You have virtue, character. You're earnest and strong in character. You're a crowning joy to your husband, to your kids, to your family members, your friends, the people you work with. You're a blessing to them. You're a joy to them. That's a great picture, isn't it? Verse 5, the thoughts and purposes of the consistently righteous. So now we're getting right into this person's head. The thoughts and purposes of the consistently righteous. Here's what's going on in their head. They're honest and reliable. Wow. But the counsels and the designs. So now we're getting into the head of somebody else here. Of the wicked are treacherous. So even in their counsel, even in their designing, their fabricating, their architectural structuring and planning of events and of business and of dealings, whatever it is, you know, you get in their head, their counsels and designs, they're wicked and they're treacherous. Yeah. Six, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them and the innocent ones. Oh, I so like that. You know, we as believers in Jesus Christ, as sons and daughters of God, we need to use our mouths. We need to be upright so that we can deliver people. We are bold to deliver the innocent the innocent that are being hurt, to deliver people with the power, the life of our mouth. Uh, You know, I think it's a beautiful thing when somebody is willing to stand up for the innocent and say, hey, wait a sec. 
I know her and I know what she's done and she's worked hard on this and I know him. I know what he's done. He's an honest man. He's a good guy. Yeah. And he's done nothing but try to help in this situation. I think it's strong when people stand up for other people. You know, but at the same time, you have to make sure that your desire to help doesn't unknowingly sanction evil because there's such a thing as unsanctified mercy that tolerates deceit at the expense of God's principle. And that's a common thing in today's substitution for real grace, God's grace. We used to call the L word, you know, everybody talks about the L word, which is love. The L word for me anymore that really hits home right now is loyalty. Yeah. When people are loyal, wow. You know, and I'm not talking about um, there's an ungodly loyalty that, you know, you see in cults, ungodly loyalty you see in horrific regimes like the Nazi regime back, you know, many, many years ago in biker gangs and all that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about a righteous justice. And like you said, Pam, that does not sanction or look the other way on deception or provide unsanctified mercy. After all, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful and warned of by God. A righteous loyalty that is that faithful friend. And here we get this picture of this person who is standing in the gap, so to speak, and delivering the innocent ones. I just love that picture. Verse 7, the wicked are overthrown and are not but the house of the uncompromisingly righteous shall stand. Shall stand. Isn't that what we were just talking Mm -hmm. about? So just putting the icing on the cake there. So you know what? Some of you mothers out there, you have been watching too much TV and news and looking at Facebook too much, and you're getting nervous about the world and what's going to be there for your kids. Listen, you need to stand up and say, listen, as far as our house, we are going to serve the Lord and we will stand. We are the righteousness of God. We claim protection of Psalms 91, and we will stand. Verse 8, a man shall be commended according to his wisdom, godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. That's what, you know, sometimes you'll hear me say, and we talk about this, the kingdom of God being God's way of thinking and doing things. Yeah. But right here, here's another, just in a little bit of another definition of wisdom, godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insights into the ways and purposes of God. But he who is of a perverse heart shall be despised. That's a good thing to remember. You know, sometimes if you're trying to explain to your children the difference between even wisdom and knowledge, well, you know, knowledge is really based on what you know. You know, you go to school, you maybe go to a great school, could be Harvard, Princeton, could be MSU. It could be already, I can tell all across the country, people's antennas are going up waiting to hear the name of their alma mater or favorite school team. Um, If I didn't mention your school, there's hundreds and thousands of them, right? Great schools all over the place. But you go to school to get knowledge, to get like a worldly knowledge, to learn the knowledge of how to be a doctor or an accountant or all these different things, how to put rocket fuel together. You get the knowledge of it. But wisdom, here's a great way just to even explain to your family and your friends and your children what wisdom is. Godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes Mm -hmm. of God. Not just the way of God, but the purposes of God. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a great thing to remember just in even being able to unfold. Why is it you love wisdom so much? Mm -hmm. You know, why do you love wisdom? Why do you pursue wisdom? Well, it's comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of God. Remember at the very beginning of Proverbs, in one of the verses, it says, say, I love wisdom. You're my kinswoman. You're my close friend. And so many times that you'll say out loud, 
and we'll say out loud, we love you, wisdom. You're our kinswoman. You're our friend. You're yeah, our friend. Yeah. And, you know, that's basically saying we love God's ways and purposes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Verse 9, better is he who is lightly esteemed but works for his own support then he who assumes honor for himself and lacks bread. So, you know, it's just principally basically just talking about beginnings, I think, in a lot of ways. Better is he who is lightly esteemed. You know, maybe this guy doesn't have a lot of name equity right now. You know, he's lightly esteemed. It's like, well, we really don't know a whole lot, but he works for his own support. In other words, he's... He's reliable. He's, yeah, he's diligent. He's taking care of the essentials of life. Maybe he doesn't have a great job what would seem like in the world's eyes, some big position of influence, right? Mm-hmm. He could be just a regular, hardworking guy. And somebody might say, well, you know, what's the big deal about him? You know, he just works a 40-hour shift. and But, you know, he does it with honor. Yeah. He does the right thing when no one's looking. This guy is way better than the other guy who seems to have honor. He seems to have the position. Yeah. You know, maybe he's even the judge in the city. <laughs> maybe right. he's in a big political position. That's maybe right. he's the mayor. But if this guy, you know, obviously there's lots of honorable, truly honorable and great political figures, but who assumes honor for himself but lacks bread, you know, lacks substance. There's people that make a huge income but are majorly in debt and don't even know how to handle their finances. So this, again, really is a measurement of wisdom, not a measurement of worldly perception, but a measurement of God's perception of the situation. That's right. Another translation in Proverbs 12, 9 says this. It says, it's better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than to pretend to be somebody and have no food. Another translation says, better to be an ordinary person with a servant than to be a self-important person but have no food, <laughs> which I think is I think is such a it's funny so picture funny. talking is. about Proverbs 12, 9. It's like, hey, it's better just to be an ordinary person that actually has you know a few guys working for you, a few employees he's working for right. you than to be some self-important guy like oh look, look at me. me look at me yeah and i was always uh, look at me and I, uh, but, uh, I don't have anything to eat but man i think i'm amazing you know this kind of stuff right. <laughs> verse 10 a consistently righteous man or woman regards the life of his beast but even the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel we should be kind you know we should never mistreat any animal deliberately you know beating it and being cruel to it but we should as righteous people we are even are kind to the animals because that's who we are god gave us to rule over the animals and the earth with kindness but i find when it goes on to say but even the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel sometimes i hear people in the world that appear to have a tenderness about them. They're acting and they're saying words that appear to sound kind, but they're very cruel. They devour people with their mouth. They practically eat them, devour them. They will just fight for the innocence to be destroyed. And it's really what appears they say is mercy. The person that's turned their back on God, even their mercies are cruel, very hard and very cruel. Yeah, I think you can tell a lot about a person by their diligence to take care of their animal, to take care of what they feel God has put them over as opposed to somebody that has no mercy and no consideration for whether it's their dog or their horse or whatever. A cruelty, like you said, it manifests in their heart and they're even cruel to their what the Bible says is their beasts. I think it always comes down, sometimes what's in our heart will come out in all relationships, in all situations in life. So 
Proverbs 12, verse 11. He who tills his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits is lacking in sense and is without understanding. Mm -hmm. 12. The wicked desire the booty of evil men. <laughs> it's not the booty like we think. It's, it means like right treasure, the treasure. Yeah. Of, okay. Just, you know, it'd be kind of like two guys walking down the street and, Frank, I didn't want to mention anything about your booty. <laughs> the wicked desire the booty, the means the treasure, right, yeah. of evil men. But the root of the uncompromisingly righteous yields richer fruit. Isn't that something? The root of the uncompromisingly righteous yields richer fruitage. We're talking about that. The foundation of your life and character. The thing that doesn't change in your life. The thing that pulls the hidden waters and supply and nutrition out of the ground that you're rooted in. Because your root isn't moving and you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth your fruit in your season. That's what Psalm 1-3 says. That's what the righteous are like. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth their fruit in their season, their leaf shall not wither, and whatever they do shall prosper. prosper. Father God, help us to have our roots planted by your river of water. In Jesus' name. 13. The wicked is dangerously snared by the transgression of his lips, but the uncompromisingly righteous shall come out of trouble. Oh, that's good. Verse 14. From the fruit of his words, a man shall be satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hands shall come back to him as a harvest. From the fruit of his words, a man or a woman shall be satisfied with good. Jesus said that. Jesus said, a good man, a good woman, out of the good treasure of their heart, fling forth good things, meaning it comes out of their mouth. And he said, an evil person, out of the evil place of their heart, like an evil treasure of their heart, they fling forth what? Evil things. It comes out of their heart. It's not just in their mind, but it's in their very heart, their being, the whole arena of their sense of being. And they conjure up either good or evil, and it's in their heart. And then out of their mouth, they legislate, they speak, they authorize either good or evil. And it says right here, from the fruit of his words, a man shall be satisfied with good because obviously when you speak good, you end up enjoying good. Right. When you declare good, when you speak and prophesy and institute righteousness with your words, you get to enjoy it when you're the author of it. But when you author evil things and wicked scorning and mocking and all that kind of stuff, then it says right here, it makes it plain. It ends up coming back to that person as a harvest. Verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who listens to counsel is wise. You know, I think there's a desire in all of us, Pam. We're somehow just born with this desire to want to be right. I don't know anybody that ever gets in an argument that goes, hey, it's my turn to be wrong this time. You know, everybody just inherently wants to be right. And yet we're all born in sin, basically unrighteous. We're all born unright. Every little two-year-old knows more than his parents his parents go to help them, they're always like, no, I do. And I'm always amazed at how yeah. that <laughs> unrighteous nature pops up, even just as we're starting to learn vocabulary. But here we're reading in the Word where it says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. His perception, man, I'm right. But he who listens to counsel is wise. And to truly listen to counsel, you have to be willing to be wrong. You have to be willing to need correction. You have to be willing to do it another way, a better way. There has to be a willingness in your heart to say, this is what I see, but maybe I'm not even seeing the whole picture. 
maybe I can perceive things better. You know, if I had a good counselor, maybe I should talk to this person. They can help me see it a different way so that I can be corrected. But you know, that's the thing. Usually people that are afraid of the truth, they only want to be heard, but they have no interest in hearing or being corrected in anything in life. So they're wondering why their actions fail and their relationships struggle and why they keep missing God. Then you hear them ask, is God against me or, or out to get me or something? I think it's a dangerous thing when you're fighting to be right to have your perception affirmed instead of having your perception clarified. Right. There's been times that maybe there was a situation that I had had the privilege of being involved with something that I saw someone walk out wisdom that really brought great success in a certain area. And I've gone, maybe somebody that has ideas and stuff that they want to do, and I've tried to share, hey, I've got an idea for you, wanting them to succeed, only them to just talk over me and just like raise their eyebrows, like, look, away with you, little girl. I don't want anything. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want you to talk. I don't want to listen to any kind of advice or even a, a different approach or another possible idea. And I'm thinking, wow, all I want to do is just help. But I don't want to be like that. And I know when I've done that for other people, it's kind of like, wow, I guess I won't waste my time trying to help in that area because obviously it's not wanted or appreciated. So I need to discern where my help is valued and where it's wanted. 16. A fool's wrath is quickly and openly known, but a prudent man ignores an insult. Prudent means a person that has foresight for the future. Says he ignores an insult. Exactly, because he knows even that is a seed towards his future. There's some things in life that we should just not focus on, right? Just kind of like I always picture like this duck, you know, they have this thing on the feathers that the water just kind of rolls right. off of them. Yeah. I love the scripture that says, I love the word and nothing offends me. And sometimes when people say things that are really very hard and I feel very hurt or, or offended, I picture myself like a duck with the water just rolling right off me and I just ignore it and I just go on and I just bless them. I might cry, but I go on and bless them. <laughs> right. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to hear and slow to speak and even slower to anger. Wow, that's really good. Sometimes that anger will come up, but you can quickly rule and reign over your earth suit, your body and your mind, will and emotions by saying, nope, we're going to bless. And you immediately put a song in your heart and say, Lord, I cast off this offense right now. I look to you and take a deep breath in him. So if you want to be the opposite of a fool, it says a fool's wrath is quickly and openly known. Mm -hmm. Here's an idea. Practice being the opposite of a fool then be slow to speak, yes. quick to hear, and be even slower to get angry. Yeah, You know, the word does say to be angry and sin not. Like, don't be like one of those simmering pots no, that's just no. over the Hold years. things in. And constantly got your suppressing anger. The word says be angry and sin not. Right. So that's good. Verse 17, he who breathes out truth shows forth righteousness. Well, that's what we were just talking about. Uprightness and right standing with God. When you breathe out the truth, this is why the Holy Spirit's invited to be with us today, you guys, because he's breathing in truth into us and he's given us the breath of life so we can breathe out yes. the truth. And it says we show forth righteousness, uprightness and right standing with God. But a false witness, guess what? Utters 
deceit. That's it. 18. There are those who speak rashly like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Our tongue should bring healing. And again, you know, we're reading the words of wisdom in this book of Proverbs. And that's why just even listening to the Proverbs being read, it brings healing. Yeah, it does. We read in Proverbs 4 how that it brings a moistening to the bone. We talked about that guy that was healed of that blood cancer. Just listening to the word, it healed his body and brought restoration even to his blood, the life of his blood. So as you're listening to the word, it brings healing to you. 19, truthful lips shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is credited, but for a moment. But it's important to remember, a lying tongue a lot of times will be credited, but for a moment. Lies cannot stand the test of time. That's the one thing about being patient and waiting. Time and waiting expose lies. That's so true. You know, I want to go back just to 18 for a second. And it says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. I feel like sometimes we don't have to say a whole lot, but the words that we do say are carried and anointed and are based on the word and full of love. And three words can be said and bring healing. So I just wanted to say that. Verse 20, deceit is in the hearts of those who devise evil, but for the counselors of peace, there is joy. Praise God. I love joy. I love joy. We like joy. So it's good to know that as we minister peace, Uh which is the destruction of the authority of chaos, nothing lacking, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's truly shalom. Yes. You know, you make peace. You don't keep peace. You make peace. You know, when you keep peace you end up compromising. When you make peace, you become biblical in your approach to it because it really is a war term in that you got to deal with the junk, the problem. You don't want a doctor compromising with the disease in your body and kind of like, well, I'll tell you what, you know, we'll give you a little bit of this and how about you can have the arm and the leg on the left side and if you'll just let us keep the arm and the leg on the right side. What, what, what do you think about that? You know, you don't want a doctor kind of negotiating with, with some a disease, yeah. uh, aggressive disease. Yeah. You want a doctor that's like, here's the rules. Yeah. We're going to abolish this ugly disease from your body and forbid it to ever come back right. from this no body. Disease, right. You can't be in this body and we're keeping everything. Right. We're, you know, we're keeping this guy right. intact. Aren't you glad that God is the great physician yes. and that's how he negotiates with the enemy and disease and darkness when it comes against us? That's He's right. like, I'm not giving you an inch. Right. That's why God sent his only son, Jesus, and they intentionally laid his back bare to be beaten with many stripes. Why? Because God wanted to deal violently and make peace for us in our bodies. Yes. He wanted to make peace, not keep peace. He wanted to make peace for your body and make peace for you, rid you from all that disease and that sickness. Yes. That's exciting. Man, 21. No actual evil, misfortune, or calamity shall come upon the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil, misfortune, and calamity. Now, I know when you're hearing that, my friends, listen, we got to just trust God. I know when you hear that, for some of you, it even seems offensive. It was to me. As a boy, you know, it seemed like my family had endured so much uh, evil, misfortune, calamity. And it's like, well, hey, wait a sec. So what's that make us? You know, like it's you can allow the enemy's voice to kind of raise up and start condemning you or giving you a victim mentality. And the pendulum swings wildly from one side to another. But don't do that. Check all that junk at the cross of Calvary. 
and just open up your heart and receive the truth and see that God has given us a remedy so that we can live the blessed life. No actual evil misfortune or calamity shall come upon the righteous. And who are we? We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if I get out of Christ Jesus, even for a second, if I step away from my salvation, how can my salvation save me? If I'm flying along at whatever, 35,000 feet on my 747 across the Atlantic Ocean, and I get out of my 747, even just for a couple of seconds, my life's in peril. You know that, and I know that. And you could say, well, you know, you were just as nice of a guy in the plane as you were outside of the plane. (laughs) Right. That has nothing to do with it. It's got to do with my location. You and I, in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. You become a magnet for the blessing of God. You become a magnet for the protective hand of God. You become magnetized to every good thing that God has for you and paid for us through Jesus. But outside of Christ, you know, Jesus even himself said, in the world, you're going to have trials, tribulations, trouble, all kinds of garbage. Read that word and see it in a New Testament light where it's victorious and we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But to be that, you've got to legislate it and that means you've got to confess. This is who I am. Yeah. The moment you abide in him and his word abides in you, you are in him. 22. Lying lips are extremely disgusting and hateful to the Lord, but they who deal faithfully are his delight. It's kind of interesting hearing it like that, right? Yeah. Extremely disgusting. Lying lips are extremely disgusting and hateful to the Lord. And you know, I think that even the way it's described, but they who deal faithfully are his delight. I think sometimes we don't intend to be lying. I mean, there's people that just are liars. You know, they just, they don't even realize when they're lying. They just live a life of lies. Everything is false. They just are always lying, lying for whatever reason. But I think sometimes we have to watch our mouth that we don't, by giving our word and then we keep backing off on it, we're not being faithful. We don't mean to lie, but it's not a good thing. It's disgusting and it kind of, uh, people can't trust us if we keep giving our word and breaking it constantly. Understand things happen and you say, will you please let me out of this situation? I can't come today. But somebody who says something and 98% of the time, they never follow through with it. It's kind of verging on lying at that point and we need to really stop that because it's really not good. Yeah, absolutely. That's good, Pam. Verse 23, a prudent man, a prudent woman, is reluctant to display their knowledge. Hmm. Huh. You know, they're kind of reluctant just to sit down and go, well, uh, let me tell you, you know, <laughs> I know a lot of things about a lot of things because I, I'm, I'm kind of brilliant, I've been told, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> a prudent man is reluctant to display their knowledge. But the heart of self-confident fools, man, they're just going to proclaim their folly. They're just going to spit it all out there. They're just going to tell you everything. You know, a fool will just make it folly telling you how great they are. And I did this. And of course, I was over here in the runways in Aspen. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Sometimes I got to watch right after I drink coffee because <laughs> I, I talk to you nope, mouth be closed <laughs> right now. Just take a deep breath. No so talking. What you're saying is not because of pride. It's because of caffeine. <laughs> it's just because of caffeine, but still can get you in trouble. Okay. 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slothful would be put to forced labor. So, you know, you can see that in a lot of ways. The consistent. The hand of the diligent, they rule. They get to be in a place where they're kind of driving the bus, but the slothful 
they end up working doing something that they're not happy about. You know, Pam, there's a lot of people in life who work jobs and they're just not happy with what they're doing. They got a J-O-B as opposed to an assignment, a work, a W-O-R-K, yeah. where you feel like you're assigned. And people say that find what you love to do and do it, and you'll never work another day in your life. In other words, you'll get up, you'll want to be invested in doing what they're doing, and this is what I love to do. And I'm right. people are like, oh boy, you sure work hard. No, I just, I love doing this. I can't even keep track of time. Right. They don't go to work and try to punch a clock and put in hours because they're trying to get money. They just love what they're assigned to do and the problems they're solving. And that's what I see that as. The hand of the diligent will rule. Find what you love to be diligent at and be invested in it and get mentors in that area and get it so that every day you get up, it's like, I get to do this. Wow. That's how you get diligent. Verse 25, anxiety in a man's heart. We know what that is. Worry, fretting. You know, it's basically fear. Yeah. You know, fear is the number one killer in America right now. Our good friend, Dr. Don Colbert, he says that worry, fear, anxiety, stress, stress is killing more people than anything else right now. It's the thing that's causing the most disease and much of the immune problems our culture succumbs to. Anxiety in a man or a woman's heart weighs it down. But listen to this. Here's the antidote. But an encouraging word makes it glad. (laughs) And you know what? This is what we get to do. We're in Proverbs reading God, our Father's word. And don't you find his word encouraging? Man, as you're listening to this, and especially with the Holy Spirit's breath of revelation behind this word, don't you just find it's like, wow, you know, as I'm just even listening to the word, it encourages my heart. Yes, it does. Just meditating on God's laws, his statutes, his precepts, just like it lifts my heart and it gives me hope. There's hope. In God's word. How do we deal with fear, worry, anxiety, stress? This is what Pam and I have talked about. Before you go to bed, listen to a proverb. Listen to the word and let us be a part of your word team and read it to you. Help you shake off all the fear and all the worry. Close your eyes. I don't know if you can take your earbuds in the shower, but maybe you can lay back in a tub or something. Just relax, lay on the couch, put the fireplace on, whatever you got to do, but just chill and listen to the word of God. And it's full of encouraging words and it makes us glad. When we let God's word, it'll make us glad. And you know, when you studied with the rabbi, the Hebrew rabbi, you told me that the original Hebrew word picture for encourage is to break through a barrier. Yeah. And bring someone vision awesome? and courage. And I think there's a lot of times, a lot of barriers we have, hurts, things that have happened, words that have been spoken, painful things, abuses, disappointments, struggles, different things that we put up walls or barriers. They aren't protective borders. They become barriers. And it's like it's saying it actually to encourage means to actually break through that barrier Mm. of sorrow and bring someone, serve them courage and vision for something more. And Pam, this is why we can't, like according to verse one that we read of this chapter, we can't be indiscriminate in our relationships. Right. Because otherwise, if you're indiscriminate in your relationships, you will open yourself up to more worry, more stress, more anxiety. More abuse. Because people. people with wrong words will have access to your ears. Yeah. And they'll be speaking words that are not encouraging and breaking through walls, but literally building up yeah. barriers. Yeah. Wrong barriers. There are right walls and then there are device of wrong walls. 
Verse 26. The consistently righteous man is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked causes others to go astray. Isn't that something? The way of the wicked actually affects other people. We remember examples of that in school when certain people that were impressionable would, because of their need for friends or to be accepted, to belong in a certain group, they would be impressionable and suddenly they would get in with this certain crowd. And next thing you know, hey, I didn't know he smoked and I didn't know right. that they went to these parties and I didn't know he was, you know, lived that kind of lifestyle. And how come his grades, he's kind of a, his grades were around B and now suddenly he's flunking everything. And, you know, because again, the way of the wicked causes others to go astray. The same way, I believe that the way of those who are on God's path, they market God's path. They become a fisher of men. Right. The consistently righteous man is a guide to his neighbor. So when you're on the path of the Lord, you actually even become a trained guide to your neighbor. Right. You help That's kind of cool, right? You help people. (laughs) We've all been to different amusement places where you have a guide. Hey, let me tell you where to go and put your belt on like this and do this. And this is how you get on this ride. So they become trained and helping. Yeah. Verse 27. The slothful man does not catch his game or roast it once he kills it. But the diligent man gets precious possessions. Mm. Can you imagine you go to the grocery store, you buy some really good chicken breasts, you bring them home and you put them on the counter and then you just go and lay on the couch. Yeah. You don't put them in the fridge. You don't cook them up and you say, I'm hungry, but it's right there. You go back to them a couple of days later and try to cook them up. And guess what happens? You get salmonella poisoning or something worse. They've been left on the counter, not roasted. And yet you keep saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, but it's right there. And it just becomes wasted, right? Yeah. So it says at the very least you should refrigerate it, but it says the diligent man, he gets precious possessions. Why? Because he even is willing to pick up the pennies. We yeah, talked about that. So true. That attitude of picking up the pennies. I love Jesus at the end of feeding the multitudes. I mean, he's God. He put the stars in space. He put the cosmos, everything in order. And yet here he is, and he's given the disciples instructions. Get the baskets and pick up all the leftovers. Probably gave it to a couple of widows yep. on his way out of on town. On the way out of town. But you know, Jesus, God himself, right on earth, the source of all life, still picked up the leftovers yeah, of the bread and the fish. So true. To me, it sets such an example for us that that's the way we should be. If we're going to be diligent, we get precious possessions. You know, I think it's important. I haven't heard once the term driven Mm. in any of the Proverbs so far. And I really don't see that word very much in the scriptures at all. But you do see the D word diligent over and over and over again. Good observation. And diligent always seems to be hand in hand with God's wisdom, God's understanding, and God's way of doing things. Consistency, diligence, persistence, persistence, being faithful one step at a time, just doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think sometimes we exalt the driven word when I don't really see it that much in scripture, but I do see the diligent word always holding hands with the wisdom of God. That reminds me of that book I read, Grit, by Angela Duckworth, I think it was. And excellent book, though, just talking about people that have obstacles that weren't necessarily the best at what they were doing. Let's put it this way. They didn't seem to be the most talented or the most strong, but they were just persistent, diligent. Yeah. They just kept moving forward with all the obstacles and any discouragement. 
They just didn't give up. In fact, as she tells a story, a wonderful story, I think it was of Steve Young, that famous quarterback for the 49ers, right? Back years ago. And his father was known to be a little bit of a, a tough guy. And, okay. and so he, I think he went to university in Utah. And he got there and he was like on the seventh or eighth string. I don't even know if that exists, but he was like so below their standards and he wanted to quit. And his dad said, well, you can do whatever you want to do, but you're not coming home. You can quit, but you're not coming home. And so basically the message was, you don't quit. You stay diligent. And so he made this wooden football and went down to the gym and just hooked it up to the lat machine and just started hundreds, if not thousands times a day, just pulling that wooden football on the lateral machine and building up his strength. And he went from being basically eighth string no account, no consideration to becoming one of their top quarterbacks and then being drafted into the NFL and becoming one of the greatest quarterbacks playing for the San Francisco 49ers. That's so cool. All that to say, just to support the point, the thing about diligence is, and the thing about faithfulness and the thing about patience is there's grit. Yeah. You just don't stop. You don't give up. You know, that's faith, right? Being faithful. Yes, that's so good. There's been times when I've just wanted everything within me, my body, my mind, my will and emotions wanted to give up. And then you just feel like, uh oh, I'm going to give up. And then all of a sudden you, nope. And you stand up and roar almost and like, nope, I'm not giving up. Sometimes I feel, I was telling you, <laughs> sometimes I feel like, have you ever seen those? You'd go to those game shops that have a whole bunch of different games like Chuck E. Cheese's or something. And they have this thing called whack-a-mole where <laughs> <laughs> this mole comes up and you whack it and it comes up somewhere else and you whack it again. Right. Sometimes I feel like life and situations try to whack you down. I'm like, nope, I'm coming back up again. You can whack me, but I'm coming back up. Well, honey, I got to tell you, you're a lot cuter than any of those, those moles. But I keep bouncing up. Okay, verse 28. Life is in the way of righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. And in its pathway, there is no death, but immortality, perpetual, eternal life. Oh, that's just so beautiful and hopeful. Pam, I'd like to end this chapter this way. I'd like for you to pray. I just feel like as we're going through this chapter 12, there's some people that do feel like they've been in that game whack-a-mole. They just feel discouraged. They feel like they've been, maybe even like I did when I was a boy, they've been experiencing the outcome of evil, misfortune, calamity. Why is everything going wrong? Struggling, maybe feeling some condemnation coming up in their heart and struggling even with stress and anxiety. Let's just lead them in prayer, praying this word, Proverbs 12. Let's just pray these truths and speak them over them right now. Father, I thank you that you want to take our anxiety. You want to take our sorrow. You want to take the the words that have been spoken over us, the things that have been done to us, even the most demoralizing things, humiliating things and stressful things that have even attached themselves to our bodies and our minds. I do know that even bodies have memories. They have memories of traumas. So right now, I want you to just kind of put your hand on your chest like you're and just pat it like you're pushing the words into your heart and just say, in the name of Jesus, I loose myself from everything that's wrong, every pain, every sorrow, every offense in the name of Jesus. And I accept God's joy, God's peace, and God's understanding and power and courage right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me just give you, like, according to this word that we just read today, let me just give you a couple of confessions. Say this, I'm a prudent person. I'm a prudent person. 
I'm slow to anger. I'm slow to anger. I am diligent. I am diligent. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God's word makes me glad. God's word makes me glad. I am diligent. I am diligent. Life is in my way. Life is in my way. And I am in the way of life. I listen to counsel. I listen to good counsel. I am quick to obey. I am quick to obey. Those are just a few little... Can I add one? Yeah, please. I am not easily offended. That's a good one. I am not easily offended. Why? Because you love the Word. Because I love the Word of God and God's way. Right. When we love the Word, we're not quickly offended. So those are just a couple of confessions that are really strong to say stuff like that, to speak that out because you authorize it in your life. When you read Psalm 103, the psalmist spoke to his soul, his mind, will, and emotions, and literally told his soul, hey, don't be downcast. Hope in the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Don't forget his benefits. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness, tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. He was talking to his soul. So this is what you got to do. You got to speak these things, make these confessions over your life. And if you need more of them, again, just go to our website, stephenandpam.com. Those are real triggers in your life, things that you need, things that you have to rely on. And um, we try to get confessions for you and prayers that articulate God's best for your life. It's good to pray according to knowledge, according to the knowledge of God's word. Let us help you in praying specific prayers for healing, specific prayers for deliverance, prayers for God's success in your life. We love you. We believe in you. And we thank God for you. What a privilege it is to enjoy God's unfailing word together. And remember that you can always enjoy these times of unlocking the supernatural with those right in your home or car or even long distance. That's really good, Pam. You can study God's word with us and family across the country. It's exciting (laughs) when we're all on the same page, especially when it's God's page, right? Yeah, we love you. God loves you. Mm. And please never forget, you You are are born born to to win. Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization, and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.